listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Here on Reality Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, please send me a text at 2057 and send me an email, inbox at realitycheck.radio. And back by popular demand, one of our favorite interviews, what would she be? An interview E. One of our favourite interviewees is Joe Mackey. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Rodney. Thank you for inviting me back. Well, we've got to invite you back solely for the reason, well, two reasons. A, you're very excellent, and B, so you can talk about what we agreed you'd talk about when you came on last time. And as listeners politely pointed out, we never got to. I'm going to censor you this time, Rodney, you're and gonna, ban you. You're going to take control, <laughs> and we're going to talk. You're a geologist by training, and you know about long periods of time and how things change, and we're going to be talking about the sun yes, and its impact on our weather and climate, and we're not going to mention that trace gas thingy. We're just going to talk about the sun because that's my get sidetracking. And we're going to talk about the theory that the sun has a cycle that we can discern and that we can predict. So how do we know the sun has a cycle? What is the sun cycle business? Tell us about that. The sun has several cycles. Lots and lots of cycles. But first, before we get into that, as as well as banning you from mentioning the CO2, I'd like to ban and censor everybody else as well. Mm. And whenever they hear someone say CO2 causes climate change, put your fingers in your ears and go la, 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 Mm. because there is not one single peer-reviewed paper that proves CO2 controls the climate. Not one. So ignore everything because they cannot prove it. So what we're seeing, yes? It's a funny thing, and here I go, right? It's entirely in the models. It's entirely a theory. It's every prediction has blown up with a bang, and yet people believe it. We're destroying economies because of it and farming. Yes. And... It's simply repetitive propaganda. Yes. And where we're at at the moment, there is the climate is changing, the weather is changing, but it's not because of what they say. And they are lying to us, telling us it's that gas, when in actual fact it is the sun. And we are changing our lives, our economies, um, everything that we're doing for the wrong thing. And that is actually quite dangerous because what's coming um, with these sun cycles is not good and people will wish that we had warming instead. Mm. And it's been used to people look at it and go, gosh, look, yes, look at all that terrible weather. They must be right. No, it's something that we cannot control. It was something a bit suspicious when they went from global warming to climate change. Yes. And what you're saying is, rather than heading into a warmer world, we're going to be heading into a cooler world. Yes. 
Tell because us about the sun, Yeah, the cycles. Tell us about these cycles because so I don't understand yeah. it. Well, the sun has um, several cycles. Uh, the one that we see most often is an 11-year solar cycle. And during a solar cycle, you will have an increase of sunspots on the sun. And those sunspots affect the planet because we live in an electric universe. And the, the Earth is actually linked to the sun by the Birkeland current. We are actually electrically connected. So what happens on the sun actually comes down and affects us on the Earth as well. And we are surrounded by an electromagnetic field. And those sunspots affect the Earth's electromagnetic field, which actually holds our weather and stabilizes our weather cells. And when the sun goes quiet and has less sunspots, our electromagnetic field weakens, which loosens all the weather cells, and they all mix up together and we get a mishmash of weather, which is what we're seeing now. And so during an 11, yeah? So it's not the sun heating up and cooling. It's its no. effect on the electromagnetic field surrounding the Earth. Yes, Oh, I didn't appreciate that. And how does the sun affect that electromagnetic field? Through the because it's a it's a it's electric. The sunspots. Um, if you have a look, I'll give you one of the people I follow now. He's a geologist, a climatologist, a philosophy of science, and a physicist. And it's Oppenheimer Ranch Project and Magnetic Reversal News. Both those channels on YouTube. And he puts up and follows the sun just about every day and shows you what's going on. And you'll mm. notice that the sunspots are in pairs and they have electric currents or arcs going between these sunspots. And as all of that electric effect happens, it follows the Birkeland current through to the planet, through to Earth. And when you disturb that current, the little discrete cells of weather if you like and and, and um it's catching the wind and all the rest of yes. it that breaks down and so the weather changes yes you'll get as the magnetic field weakens around the earth you'll get um tropical weather cells will then start to mix with the higher latitude weather cells so so you'll get the antarctic and the tropics coming towards new zealand and Got mixing it. all together instead of Got staying it in their zones, their latitudes around the planet, they'll all start to mix up. So you get tropical down south and you'll get ice up in the tropics. Australia is becoming, has been quite cool lately and so has actually Indonesia. This solar cycle, this isn't new and it's sort of accepted science. I, I know I shouldn't use the word accepted science, but um, the question is, is this fringe like no. everything else I believe, or is this mainstream? No, this, this is mainstream. This is known about. This okay. is this is very well known about. Every 11-year cycle, you get an increase in, in uh, sunspots, and we're at the peak of a solar cycle right now. We're in what's called solar cycle 25 right now, and we're at the peak of solar cycle 25, so it's got the maximum number of solar um, sunspots on the sun at the moment. And then after this peak, we start to go down and we get less sunspots. And that happens uh, every 11 years. Now, what's happening right now, just two weeks ago, it was 
published that the peak of this solar cycle right now is actually going to peak two years earlier than expected and end by the end of this year. So we're going to start decreasing the solar cycle sooner than expected. And when we move into cycle 26, which is calculated to be a very weak solar cycle, that's what's going to put us into the grand solar minimum properly. And we're going to see weather chaos. So not to scare people, but it's not going to be pretty. So I have lived through six solar cycles. Yeah. Because I'm exactly 66. Mm-hmm. But you're saying there are cycles on top of the cycles. Yes. Which can intensify them or moderate them. So every, I, there is also a 400-year solar cycle, and that's called a grand solar cycle. So you've got lots of 11-year cycles into a 400-year cycle. So every 11-year cycle, as this grand 400-year cycle increases, every 11-year solar cycle will have more and more sunspots at its peak. But now we're going into a grand solar minimum. Every 11-year cycle has less and less sunspots at its maximum. So we are now coming into the deepening of a grand solar minimum of the minimum number of sunspots at the sun cycle's peak. And, and the last time... The magnetic field. The last time we saw this was 400 years ago? Yes. So that was... You can go back to the 1600s. And the Little Ice Age, was it? And the Little Ice Age, yes. That was actually another mini-minimum, the Dalton minimum, which was um, mixed in there as well, which actually made that probably worse than it could have been. So that's a third cycle that we have identified. Yeah. So these cycles have been known about for a couple of hundred years, but also we've been able to see them in In the geological record and in the historical record. Yes. You can look at the history of the last uh, solar minimum, which was called the Maunder Minimum, named after a scientist, Mr. Maunder, I think it was. This one we're in right now is called the Eddy Minimum. Uh, but the Maunder minimum from 1645 to 1723 also coincided with um, the coldest part of the Little Ice Age, which was 1300 to 1850. So that's quite a large Little Ice Age, was quite a, a long area, long time frame. But the Maunder minimum was inside that. And they made the best violins back then because the trees grew a lot slower and were more dense. So that's something quite interesting that you see, not just in in the trees, but also in culture as well. Fascinating, because I'm just struggling this. The Ice Ages, the Little Ice Age, was outside or was it another solar cycle? No, it was outside uh, between 1300 and 1850. Um, A cooling, just a, a cooling period could have been caused from volcanic activity, um, but then on top of that, the Maunder minimum, Got it. Grand Solar minimum, also occurred during that time between 1645 
1723-ish. So we're heading to some good violins. Yes. Now, when you look, so we don't quite know, we've got this idea of this 11-year cycle and this 400-year cycle, and it's sufficiently rhythmic. Yes. Yes, the sun, can, like, like last time I said, the sun has a heartbeat. Yes. So we can predict in general terms where we are in the cycle of the two the two major cycles. Yeah. And therefore we can look ahead and say, well, on average, this is going to be heading colder yes. versus warmer. Yes. Overlaying that is this hundreds, if not thousands of years of ages, well, tens of thousands of years where we have ice ages, which New Zealanders are very familiar with given our geology. Yes. And we don't know, we only hypothesize what caused those particular cycles. We do know um, there is a 100,000-year cycle, and that's the Milankovitch cycles. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, that's to do with the sun, where we have a circular um, orbit around the sun that gradually turns elliptical and when it goes elliptical this the earth is um orbiting the sun in a further distance away from the sun so we generally get cooler and we are about six thousand years into moving away from the sun and we've got another forty four thousand years to carry on moving away from the sun before we start coming back towards it again into a circular orbit. So we're actually in the cooling phase of the Milankovitch cycle as well. Isn't it beautiful, the the idea that this happens, but the idea that people figure it out is just extraordinary to me. Oh, yes. They knew more back even in hundreds of thousands of years ago by following the stars and the cosmic, um, you know, the planets and everything in more than we do today. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, so what are the implications of going into this pooling cycle for the world? Well, we've already started seeing it. Um, again, there's another um, fantastic person I follow and his um, site is Adapt2030 and I came across him in 2018-2019, funnily enough when we first got the internet up here in the middle of nowhere and he was showing back then that it was starting to show up that crops were starting to fail because of the, the cooling of the planet and the effects from the sun and you and I Rodney before recording were talking about coffee and I'll just have a, you were saying coffee prices increased during COVID. But what a lot of people don't realise is COVID has been a very good excuse for the increase in prices of all sorts of foods, grains and coffees and things. But this person that I follow at David Dubine on Adapt 2030 used to grow coffee in Myanmar. And he actually left and went back to America because it was getting too hard to grow the coffee there because frosts were beginning to appear as this grand solar minimum began. Mm. So this is what we're going to see. We, um, in a cooling environment, it's harder to grow food. 
and this is why humans have done so well and um, progressed and the population has boomed and it's during warmer periods because we can grow things. And also due to the lack of magnetic field and the ozone depletion, UVB rays affect the growth of grass and the growth of crops as well. So another thing too is Ukraine is the wars being used as an excuse for not getting the wheat out there. They're only the third biggest um, exporter of, of grains. But they were starting to unable to grow food due to moisture levels in their soils way back in 2019. And this is happening everywhere, Brazil, Australia, the US. They're finding it a lot harder to grow food. Because you'll help me with this. In recorded history, we have periods like the examples that stick in my mind is growing grapes in Scotland and making yes. wine. And then in the Little Ice Age, the Thames freezing over. Yes. For weeks at a time. Yes. And this isn't debatable. This is recorded history. You know, this yes. is written down at the time. And paintings. And, and you look at it and you can't imagine having a wine industry in Scotland. And you can't imagine the team, the Thames freezing over. And yet it happened. And yes. all that happened in the last thousand years. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Now, also, and of course, if you go over geological time, where I'm sitting in Arrowtown, I would have uh, hundreds of feet of ice over my head here in Arrowtown. Yeah, and we're still in an ice age now. Isn't that crazy to think yeah, about? Yeah, we're and of just course, in what's called an interglacial, but we're not out of an ice age because there is still ice on the planet. Yes, and there's been so many ice ages like in geological time. I mean, it swept forth, swept back, swept forth, swept back. These yeah. are extraordinary things, and yet it hovers around a livable planet. Yep. Um, I'm just it's sort of it's extraordinary information this is it's extraordinary knowledge that what occurs in the planet and you realize that when you're talking about a temperature record that is to say the average temperature for a year for the whole earth you're yes. not actually capturing the weather no like not crops don't grow Crops don't grow according to the Earth's average temperature. They grow according to the 24-hour cycle. I've learned this from Molly, our guru gardener, the 24-hour yeah. cycle that they're receiving each day. And the average temperature doesn't quite capture it. No, it doesn't. Because we can still have our – New Zealand's year without a summer this year is a good example. The, the temperature was warm, but farmers noticed too, especially my brother was saying, the grass wasn't growing growing because it didn't see the sun mm. and it wasn't from the heat but it like as we talked about last time for photosynthesis because during a grand solar minimum when this magnetic field weakens the sunspots what they do when they flare is blow cosmic rays away from the earth but when the sun goes quiet cosmic rays are then allowed to come into earth because the sun's not kind of protecting us and these cosmic rays form more cloud so therefore we get more rain. 
And on top of the Honga Tonga volcano, which put 10% more moisture into the atmosphere, which is now still raining out on us, we may have had a warm summer, but plants still really struggled to grow because they literally didn't see the sun. And this is going to happen as well. Yes, my goodness. And of course, I remember from school days, and I apologize because I never learned the number in metric, but the sun is 93 million light years, no, miles away. <laughs> I almost said light years, 93 oh, I, million yeah, miles. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a long, long way, right? Yes, yes. But it takes and, eight minutes for it to, the light to get here. Yes. And yet, absent uh, nuclear power, all our energy comes from that sun. Yes. It's it's it, it it's pumping out a lot of kilowatts. Yes. Um, and of course, I call I, I call coal. I got that. Sorry, I got that from I think it was Ian Plymer. A hunk of coal, which I do have, um, is just fossilized sunlight. Yes, stored sunlight. And all <laughs> of that energy that comes out of that piece of coal when we burn it is sun. Yes, it's sun, mm. and it's solar power. Yeah, I always call it's my solar power. Yeah, yeah, my V eight solar power. Yes. Um, yes. And of course, when you think of the sun, and I think of a sphere radiating out from the sun, and I remember doing looking up this calculation, what percentage of the energy coming off the sun we capture is astronomically small? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And all the rest of the energy is just dissipating out into space. Yep. And we're like, you know, well, I think it's four pi r, I can't remember, four pi r or something um, cubed, or I don't know, something crazy. But we're just a speck of dust in the context of the sun with yes. all the energy missing us. And we just capture that small little bit, which powers everything. And that's where um, we... Well, you can see we've been captured into having to pay to be alive. And our solar panels are so inefficient um, because we're just literally catching that sunlight. But if we looked at it like I was talking at the beginning of the electric universe and we are actually linked to the sun, we can have free energy, which they used to have, through the electrics from the atmosphere, through electromagnetic free energy. And that is there. We're just not allowed to have it. Is that and what that Tesla was talking about? Yes. And that's that's the electric current we're connected to through the universe. And that's the idea that you can wave a neon tube around or something in an in um, electrical storm or something and it'll light up. Yes, yeah, so, yes, something like that. And we're going to actually, as this minimum goes on and we've got a weak electric uh, magnetic field, we're going to see more aurora um, and they're going to um, be seen in latitudes that you haven't seen before, and you're going to see um, plasma, oh, what are they called? They look like um, uh, water spouts, but it's plasma, coloured plasma wow. from the from the earth reaching up into the atmosphere, and people wonder if that's actually following an electric current between us and the sun. And all that electricity is there for us to enhance um, and use, but we're not told about it and people are not allowed to 
um, make anything that produces this free electromagnetic energy for us. Otherwise, we the people would be um, free and wealthy and happy. Well, that's the last thing. Uh, oh, no, we can't have that. Yeah, yeah. That you can't live where you choose and drive your car around. Wow. You've got to, my goodness. Yeah. Um, no. Now, there is a theory, as I understand it, I'm dredging my recesses of my brain, that historians correlate wars, um, the rise and collapse of civilizations yes. with solar activity. Is that correct? It is. Um, when RCR posts my presentation that people can read after this um, interview, they will see in one of my slides that um, the man that I love, David Dubine, has overlaid these grand solar minimums with Chinese dynasty collapses. And the Chinese dynasty seems to collapse every single time there is a grand solar minimum. Um, um, which is very interesting when you see what's going on in the geopolitics of the world right now with China. And my theory is that perhaps they're buying the farmland, trying to bring economies together to save themselves, to stay in power, because they know, because the Chinese have thousands of years of this solar and cosmic history, that this is what happens during grand solar minimums. And they need the food for their own people. But that's and just my own theory. Just something to think about. The interesting, um, thing, the interesting thing about food has just occurred to me that, and it's building on gardening guru Wally Richards, mm -hmm. that no matter what you do technologically, you're still dependent upon photosynthesis and the sunlight. That's ultimately going to be, you know, CO2, water, and sunlight for photosynthesis. Yes. Technology can't get around that, can it? No, and that's what's actually quite scary about uh, the Biden administration and Bill Gates coming out saying we need to dim the sun to save the planet. Because now that people know this is a grand solar minimum and you look at all these things that they're doing, there's only, well, what conclusion can you come to as to why they might be doing this? Isn't that like a, isn't that like a movie? You know, some mad rich guy. Um, with billions to toss around to fund research and that, coming up with this idea yeah. of we're going to vax everyone. And you think, whoa, really? Yeah. Uh, with this drug. And he, he he's so enthusiastic about it that it's creepy. Yes. And then, and I always had a positive view of him, but when I see him doing this creepy stuff about we're going to vax everyone, he's sort of joyful about it. And then he says, oh, we're looking at dimming the sun. And you're thinking, this is like Dr. Strangelove. This is some sort of madness or yes. worse. Before COVID, people would have thought we were absolutely nuts. Some still think I am certain by saying this. But these people are now coming out and telling you to your face. Yes. This is what they want to do. Yes. Um, so they're looking to do things to counteract warming when the understanding we have of the thing that drives all our weather and energy, the sun, yes, is on a well-recorded set of cycles yes, that have been well understood. Yes. And they predict overall we're heading for 
a calling, the likes of which, am I correct in saying, we haven't seen for some hundreds of years? Yes, yes. Valentina Zarkova, and I have a link to um, a great video of her showing her mathematical calculations of how she's calculated this minimum, and things are happening exactly as she has calculated they would. Um, and yes, we are going into a cooling period of could be one, one and a half degrees um, that has not been seen since the Maunder minimum 400 years ago. So the history that I've got in my presentation, if people have a look and see the history of what happened back then, um, and that was things that are taught in history, the American Revolution, the Mayflower went to um, America, all sorts of things that we all know about actually happened during that grand solar minimum. So we're going to go through another very historical time that will be, be written about in history for thousands of years. But there was a big capitalist expansion, prosperity, science happened. That, that, that minimum, I think you said was, I wrote it down, 1645 to yes. 1723, right, was the depth of it. So that was a huge expansion of the world. Yes. You, you, what comes out of these, um, um, I'm just trying to find them here, um, about the history of, of these grand solar minimums, that what, what we get when we come out the other side is like a renaissance. So going through these hard times of grand solar minimums, it's, it's that, that cycle of you know uh, hard times make um, strong men. And we pop out the other side and we have a whole new... Uh, renaissance of technology and the oh, way we society and economies and all sorts of things. Yeah, so it it's not going like into it. It's not being in it. It's coming out. It's coming out of it, yes. So um, historian uh, Philip Blom argues that this is no coincidence that there is a com complex relationship between the social, economic and intellectual disruption caused by the changed climate and the emergence of markets, exploration, and intellectual freedom, which constituted the beginning of the Enlightenment. So um, what happens is you're doing life hard for some generation yeah. or generations, and life is hard just to survive. Then, because of agriculture flourishing, life becomes easier yeah. if not easy therefore things happen yes people become um free well when you when you've got more food and your brain can think clearly and, and you're not so stressed out from trying to survive you can start um you're free to to be able to invent things or think of how you can make things better because you're not subsistence living yes yes and and, but, and you can explore the world you can try yeah. technologies um, yep. You've got like a surplus of time, a surplus of resources. Um, presume, and does it become, do you know, a peaceful time? Because it's a warring time when you're short of resources. But yes. does it become a peaceful time when there's a surplus? Well, yeah, it, it does show that if you have a look back of when we do um, have wars, it's usually during a cooling period. So when we come out of that cooling period um, and the sun starts to wake back up again, there is no need for war unless, but mind you, it's only our leaders that decide to have war, not the people. 
They just yeah. bring the people into it. So we need to get rid of them completely, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. Uh, tell me, um, is there a case that pre-Industrial Revolution, we were like 90% devoted to agriculture, and I'm going to make these numbers up, but it's be something now like 10% devoted to agriculture. And agriculture is relatively a small part of our economy because mm. we're so good at it. We're so efficient. Um, and so that's freed us up to be baristas and accountants and uh, bureaucrats and uh, live in cities and live off that easy surplus. Yes. And we have, because of technology and because of machinery that we didn't have in the 16 and 1700s, isn't there a case to be made that the calling of the weather is going to have less effect on us? Well, I don't know about that because so many people now live in cities and they rely on their food being brought into them. And when that food can't grow, you can't feed as many people, no matter what technology you've got. Because, I mean, they do say we need to be more sustainable but that's and, and, and change our food, but they're just trying to get you to eat crickets and fake meat mm. because they know that we won't be able to grow enough food. So people are going to have to start growing their own food themselves if they want to stay in control of their own lives because they will be able to control you through that lack of food. Because I've but already I, noticed. But if you're living in a if you're living in a market economy, and you say um, it's this is a this isn't going to happen overnight, you know it gets mm. cooler and cooler and cooler yeah. and cooler. So we've got time. Yes. It's not going to be one day you wake up and no. all over. Although so, it did happen, and it did happen with the ice um, in Britain during the Little Ice Age. It did literally happen overnight. They oh, went really? Into, yes, they went into a frost for three months, literally overnight. Not saying that that might happen again, but that isn't written in history that that's what happened. Goodness me! Yeah. <laughs> but we are seeing it now like I said back in 2019 and I used to sell my spare chicken eggs from my chooks and up until two weeks ago the price of chook food which you were talking about your wheat as well shot up by five dollars a bag and I buy at least three three bags a week for my chooks so that's fifteen dollars um, of chook food the price went up overnight and that's because of the lack of grain so I had to tell all of my people I've been selling my spare eggs to for 12 years now that I can't do it anymore because it's gone beyond being viable for me. And I'm keeping all of those eggs for myself. And I'm going to scale back on my number of chickens I have and just start, start um, just, I have to be able to just look after myself because I can't provide for those people because it's too costly now for me to provide those eggs for those people. So now those people in the town may have to get their own chickens if they want eggs. Well, eggs, eggs to me, we go through literally, um, we damn near do a dozen eggs a day with the kids and everything, mm. right? And you never thought of it. They were the sort of cheapest, bestest food ever. Yes. And, you know, I'd just go in there at the supermarket 
grab three cartons, they've more than doubled in price at my local pack and save. Yeah. And there's a big sign saying you can only have one carton. And you're thinking, yes. what the hell? And then you often turn up and the eggs are gone. Yes. And this is because this is this is the sign. And again, COVID was a good cover for that. And they rationed you. They're getting you used to rationing when you could only buy one bag of pasta and one bag of flour because the grains are not being grown um, at the um, tonnage that they were a few years ago. We're actually growing less and less. We're un unable to grow as much. So the the we may have the technology, but if you can't get the grain to the to the cows, because a lot of our farmers now use supplement feed and grain to feed their animals, if you can't get that food or enough food to them, they are then going to have to cut back on the number of cows they have, which is then less food that goes through the system. So you can have all the technology you like, but if we've kind of moved to a technology, but the cows now require more grain than they have before because they're not as grass-fed as they used to be. And when you grow less grass and less grain to feed them, you're going to end up with less food at the end of it. I mean, it's it's shocking to think of what a three-month-long frost would mean. Like that yeah. was a three-month-long frost in England and presumably Europe. Yeah. I've got it here in my notes. I can't, can't exactly find where, but yes, yeah. it's written there. And and that would be at that time, presumably, yep. if it was yes. worldwide, a three-month frost here in New Zealand. Who knows? We got no recordings really of, of, yes. of people but, writing uh, that down. If you picture a three-month frost in New Zealand, that would be devastating. Yes. Yes. It's so strange to think of, but that that actually historically happened. Yes. As as you say, literally overnight. Literally overnight. Yeah. So technology, we <laughs> what would we be eating after a three-month frost? I know. Exactly. I might be looking up Claire Swab's recipe for cricket. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and that's it. We can have all the technology in the world, but nature's going to win in the end because we've moved so far away from nature. We don't know how to live without her. Well, I'm and picking we the last time, the last time this happened, because of low technology. I, I'm guessing maybe there were 500 million people in the world. Yeah. And now there's eight billion. Yes. Which we're still not overpopulated, by the way. There is still enough food for pe to feed people. They are using that as an excuse too. But people um, during this, one of the um, things of what what to do during this time is to just start growing your own food so that you can at least get hold of some of your own food and it won't be rationed to you if there is a collapse in a food chain. So you, you are thinking logically about this. You're not well, a nutter. Well, right. <laughs> Some would think so. Of course. But um, it's okay because in that case, it's two nutters talking to each other because yeah. I've been described in all those terms too. <laughs> but we're reasoning it through, right, as yes. a hypothetical possibility based on what we understand about the sun and its impact on the earth, what we understand about history 
and what's recorded. This isn't a theoretical model that we're catastrophizing out of. This is things that have happened. Yes. So um, things that have happened in the past can happen in the future. Exactly. Your history, history is your crystal ball. And yes. put it this way, what if I'm right and what if I'm wrong? Just yes. think of it like that because one of these scenarios you can prepare for and if you're wrong, what do you do? You've got some extra food and some extra energy to stay warm in case of a cold time and, you know, it's it, it's all good. You've just got a spare few things. But if you prepare for the warming that they're saying and you have just got your bikini ready for, you know, constant sunshine and, and 50 degrees all, all the time and we happened to go into this cold period that they've calculated and you've only got your bikini, you're not in a good spot. So one of these scenarios, what if you're right and what if you're wrong? It's not like the other. Yeah, if you prepare for the cooler period and it doesn't happen, you'll be okay. If you prepare for a warmer time and the cooler period does happen, you won't be okay. You've got nothing to to lose if you prepare. A warming period, as I understand it, is unambiguously positive. Yes, yes, it always is. The rise and fall of civilizations. The biggest civilizations um, that we've had are during the warmest times. Mm. Um, you know, we've got the the Egyptians, uh, the Mayans. Um, we got a medieval warm period, and if you have a look, at the times that um, we were actually in, uh, migrating around the world and moving away from Britain, and and there was mass migration, was during cooler periods because we were going looking for better, warmer. Um, places to go. Isn't it strange? Because um, you think of how wonderful Greece and Rome were, and I know it's not the term that modern historians use, but we have a picture of the Dark Ages Yes, where we went to little peasant farming and nothing happened intellectually for a thousand years, and then it took off again. Mm-hmm. And there's no particular historical explanation for that in the history of human beings because you I naturally grew up thinking there was just this upward progression um, that we'd climb on the shoulders of our forebears and know more and do things better. Yeah. And then you read more about history and you think, oh, my God, those Romans, what they did and mm. what they wrote about and how they communicated and the infrastructure they built yes, for yes. the Egyptians. And then it just disappeared. Yep. And we're what historians who are tying this, it's a climate thing. Yep, it it's is. It's a sun thing. Yes. A, there is a reason. There is a reason that um, the Dark Ages occurred. Yes, and that they were called the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages. Dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! And you don't necessarily pick it as a human being because your life stretches over fifty or sixty years. Yes, and um, it's only with measurement and records, geological records, that you can see this. Yes. 
me and my friends talk about this a lot and it's we are at the moment it might sound scary but I don't want people to become afraid just um just quietly get yourselves ready for it and you will be fine um but this is the most exciting time to ever be alive because we have the knowledge of this to be able to see it mm. and see it coming and get ready for it and live through it and see it and it's just fascinating to see this happen good and bad well, it's wonderful to see the experience of COVID and the work to suppress free speech. Yes. Because it's a bit like you go through World War One, and you'd say, that was so bloody terrible. We will never do that again. It's mm-hmm. a war to end all wars. It'll never happen. And within a few short years, yes. a worst war occurs. Yeah. And it was the civilized nations of the earth yeah. that did it. So yeah. you you I've had to disabuse myself of this happy upward progression of experience. Again, that happy upward experience of progression occurred before World War One. Uh, where no one imagined that there hadn't been a war, a decent war in Europe for a hundred years. Mm. And everyone thought it was uninvented. It just didn't happen any longer. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And this this idea, I can't get my head around that experience that you said of a three-month frost and the implications <laughs> of it. And I think back in the 1700s, there was a year of frost, and I've tried to look for that um, information again, but I know there was. I think it was in Ireland or in Europe. Now, Tell me, I'm sitting in my little townhouse in Auckland, say. Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm listening in and I've got a bit aware about I'm not sure Bill Gates and our governments have necessarily my best interest at heart sometimes Mm -hmm. when they say things. No. That I'm not particularly certain that when they tell me things emphatically that it's necessarily true. Yeah. And I'm listening to this and thinking, oh, my goodness, what would happen if we had a three-month frost that, I don't know, hit most of New Zealand? What should I do to prepare for that, Joe? Um, everybody should try and build a little greenhouse or buy whatever they can afford to try and grow some of their food under cover. Um just to keep it, I'm 350 metres up and on five degrees cooler than what's down in the lowlands, I call them. Down so when the you picked that place, you weren't thinking of this? Um, I did know about, well, this is the interesting thing. If people watch the Oppenheimer Ranch Project and their other channel, Magnetic Reversal News, this geologist has purposely gone up into the mountains of America and living up higher than me, and they have snow for six weeks of the year because he's looked at the whole thing of floods and all sorts to be up high. But um, my wonderful late partner was a builder and built me a fantastic greenhouse. And I now, where are we? Middle of July? Am still growing and getting tomatoes. No way. Yes, I am. And so um, I would suggest people, and, and you don't have to grow everything. This is where... Um, I have a mantra that I've got from a wonderful um, woman who used to walk on work on Wall Street and was a banker. She has a mantra of food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, 
community and shelter. And this is the time to start building old school communities again. You only need to start with three people. I've got Mm -hmm. two other friends we started with and we've got this whole community around us. And you can get together with the people in your street and one may be a really good tomato grower, one may be a good potato grower, one may be a good onion grower, one may be a good broccoli grower. By the time you just grow your one vegetable and share it amongst yourselves and, and walk down the street and give them your tomatoes for each one of their vegetables, you've got a whole box of veggies at the end of it. Yes. And you haven't had to stress about trying to grow and do everything. And just find people with skills. You may need to learn some new skills. One of my very good friends was a lawyer and now she's an organic gardener. And it's hilarious watching her garden because mm. she trips over herself all the time. But she has totally changed one skill for another so that she knows how to grow her own food. And she's growing her own food in town with a couple of chooks. And she's just quietly doing her thing for this. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. She's got her own free food and her own free eggs. And she's enjoying herself. And she's loving it. And, and presumably you don't eat by live by veggies alone. You need a bit of uh, in a typical diet. Yes, um, yes. You need a bit of egg and milk yes. and um, meat. You may need to um, become friends with a farmer again. The farmers yes. might, the, the, the people in the cities might just have to start looking at their farmers a bit differently and become friends with one and perhaps cow share and buy a, buy a beefy off them and pay for them to raise it and then you can take it to the butcher and get it butchered for yourself. Or something like that. You go. The communities are going to have to come back again and forget your councils and your government. Um, do it yourselves. Grow and up. What will it mean though for a typical New Zealand farmer if we get hit with this? Because that practice may have to change quite radically. Yes, and my presentation, I have, I put it together. Um, in the mind of thinking about farmers because they're the ones who need to have the warning of this. They're all being told that the planet's frying and getting warmer when it's actually getting cooler. And farming in a cool period is a lot different from farming in a warm period. We we had a family gathering in the weekend and, of course, all of us are farmers, my parents and my brother and sister and I, and all four of us were sitting there, five of us sitting there and saying we would rather farm in a drought than in the wet, soggy, boggy weather we're having right now. And I just had to say well, this kind of weather may continue. So time is interesting. With the drought, all you need is water. Yeah. Yeah. But if but it's, cold it's cold and wet. Yes. And the cows turn the paddocks to mud, you've got no grass, and you have to buy extra supplement to feed them, to keep them warm and keep them fed. I mean, I'm not saying we won't have droughts. They're going to use El Nino this year as the greatest excuse for climate change and warming, but that's got nothing to do with it, but that's a whole different topic. So everybody ignore that as well. Um, We will still have droughts because you still get droughts during green solar minimums because the coldest places on earth are the driest places on earth. Given um, Given that these cycles have been well understood, and I remember learning about them I think when I was at high school mm-hmm. um, and certainly at university and it was like well understood. Um, and I think even at university, I think that's when I became aware of 
biologists and geographers talking about the impact on peoples and civilizations. So this, you know, this isn't yesterday's stuff. Right? No. There must be a well-developed worldwide group of thinkers and scientists and researchers who are looking very seriously at this, some of whom yes. you've alluded to. Yes, and there is a saying that billionaires know this stuff, but millionaires don't because the billionaires have all the connections. And, you know, again, you've got to wonder why they're hiding this from the people. You know, there are, it could be that they just don't want the people to panic and perhaps the people will stop feeding the beast if they realise, well, if this is all going to happen, you're not getting my taxes from me, I'm looking after myself. And they don't want people to stop paying their wages. Um, but at the same time, you do they really care about us if they're not telling us the truth? And all the people that I follow, they all get shadow banned. So you know that they're over the target. Yes. And yes, they're, these, they're, the people who are censoring all these people do know this is happening. Did you head up the mountain to farm because of this knowledge? Um, uh, I have always, since the day I was born, I think wanted to live this way of life anyway. Um, but having this knowledge has really, I've always, and yes, I, I think so. Not necessarily the grand solar minimum knowledge, because I didn't know that back then, but I knew that I wanted to be independent from being controlled of to how I live and what I eat and what I do. So I wanted to become as independent as possible, put my wonderful wood-fired stove in, got my that. little farm I lit. saw that on video. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Now tell me, have I have you covered everything you wanted to cover for our listeners? I think we have. I think we have. Um, it's it's written in my presentation that will be up there. Um, right. But it's Can just we, don't be don't be afraid of this. I'm not wanting to scare people. No, I'm not scared. Just, yeah, just forget this CO two crap and the warming stuff, and just read. Research what I've put up there. There's links there and just make up your own mind. But again, what if I'm right and what if I'm wrong? I prepare for everything in a way that what if I'm right and what if I'm wrong, which side, if it doesn't matter what happens, I'm still going to be okay. And that's You're all wonderful. we want. I'm actually going to send my presentation to the new political party NZ Loyal because a lot of their policies are going to help, I think, get this word out to the country. And, and That's the Liz Gunn one. That's the Liz Gunn one. Um, well, she's been And wonderful. I think she will help us deregulate so that communities can help themselves to get through this because we can't have the government getting in our way. Hasn't, Liz Gunn, hasn't Liz Gunn been a brave, admirable, oh principled woman? She's giving me the shivers right now. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it terrible? to see how people have abused her. Yes, but they have something to hide. And, and every time they do this, you know there's something else hiding behind mm. it that they don't want you to know. Mm. So that's who you follow. You follow the ones that are shadow banned, the ones that you get told not to look at, the bodularized science, as I say, the hidden science. You follow the stuff you're not allowed to see. Well, I met, I met Liz Gunn when she was a TV interviewer. Yeah. And I realised, 
you know, she was a lefty greenie on TV because they all were basically. Yeah. And apart from, funnily enough, Paul Holmes and Mike Hosking and Alice, Alice and Mauer, I found them all very rude. But Liz Gunn was a wonderful human being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And you could see that, you know, she wasn't upper self or pretentious and and um she she it struck me how when she came out and started to speak out and they fell on her I thought well that'll be the end of her because yeah she's never experienced that level of abuse and attack man she's tough yes yes anyway Joe I'm talking we're ended here we're going to have you back because you're so full of information we'll get probably I'd love readers to send me questions for Joe, and we can do a bit of a QA with her. So yeah, if, you, if you want to email me for Joe, it's inbox at rallycheck.radio or text me at 2057. It's Rally Check Radio. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And we've been talking to geologist, farmer, and I guess what we call prepper. Yeah. Everybody prepps who lives on the land. Well, yeah, you do because you don't know when it's the natural. power supply is going to go down for a day or two. You have to be, yep. It's a prepper is not one of those bad words. Anybody who lives on the land, any farmer is a prepper because you have to yeah. prep to provide for your animals through winter. We're all preppers. Yes, and aware of the weather and its implications. Um, so thank you, Joe, for coming on. Thank everyone for listening. Uh, this is Rally Check Radio, Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Uh, remember, send us a text 2057, email inbox at rallycheck.radio, and we'll get Joe back. You're listening to Real Talk on RCR, Reality Check Radio.